Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Winter is the time for nurseries to stock up on the latest bare root fruit trees. And if you're thinking of adding a fruit tree to your 2021 garden, well, here's one criteria to think about. Of all the fruit trees available, which are the tastiest? Well, there is one wholesale nursery company that has conducted decades of annual taste tests using people like you and me to make those decisions. That nursery company is wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery. And Phil Purcell of Dave Wilson joins us today to talk about the tastiest peach tree varieties. Plus, he has advice for pruning and training those new backyard fruit trees so you can have multiple varieties of trees in your yard, even if it's a small yard. It's all about size control. What's new in the way of annuals, perennials, and vegetables for 2021? Diane Blazek of All America Selections tells us about the highest rated new plants, which have been tested across the entire United States. And we have tips to help your trees stave off sunburn. It's episode 66 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We're talking with Phil Purcell from Dave Wilson Nursery. I bet you're starting to see fruit trees arrive at your area nurseries in the warmer climates. In colder climates, so those fruit trees will be arriving as the weather warms up in the weeks ahead. But there are some just some tasty varieties out there of fruit trees. And Phil, you know, for years and years, Dave Wilson Nursery used to conduct taste tests with an impartial panel of uh, nursery people who would uh, sit around tables and basically sample, oh, say, 24 varieties of apples and judge them on seven or eight different criteria. And you did that with uh, plums and peaches and pluots and so much more. I miss those taste tests, Phil, but uh, that has given you a great uh, way to help promote your product because uh, everybody wants the tastiest apple or the tastiest peach or uh, all these other varieties. So why don't we uh, talk about the fruit trees sort of based on uh, their taste test results. For for instance, let's talk peaches. And I noticed that uh, the top rated tastiest peaches are some old time varieties, Harkin Harkin and O'Henry. Sometimes it's just tough to beat what's been out there. You know, we develop peaches all the time. But sometimes the, the classics are, you know, are really tough to beat. You know, it's like, say, the Harkin, uh, O. Henry. These things have been around for, you know, for years and years and years. And there's just something about a peach coming off of your own backyard tree that it can't be beaten. You, you, you don't get that from peaches you get from the grocery store. It's, they're just developing peaches now for different reasons. But uh, like you said, the Harkin, the O'Henry, the Kawea, the Suncrest, these are, you know, bright, you know, tried and true. And they, they give you that old time flavor that, you know, people expect from, from peaches. 
Now, the one of the drawbacks of the Harkin and the O'Henry is they have a pretty good chill hour requirement, 750 to 800 chill hours. That, again, are hours between 32 and 45 degrees uh, accumulated between the months of November and February. But there's some very tasty, low-chill varieties of peaches that require a lot less in terms of chill hour, making them uh, very suitable for warmer climates. What are some of those taste test winners that are low-chill varieties? Probably coming in number one is Eva's Pride, uh, June Pride. These are, you know, varieties that We've tested, and they have done really well in Southern California, where, you know, chill hours will only be two or 300 hours. And uh, they're just, you know, very adaptable, where they'll also do well in areas that require higher chill. But it, it gives the lower chill areas of, of the country the ability to have, you know, great peaches without requiring, you know, what an old Henry would, would require. What is also great about some of these newer low-chill varieties is uh, their developments of Floyd Zager. And uh, Floyd is this, uh, or was, he's passed on, but uh, developed many, many different varieties, hybrid varieties of peaches and plums and apricots and pluots and nectarines that are so gosh darn tasty. Eva's Pride is one of those. And... Uh, you mentioned June Pride, and these are all uh, developments of Floyd Zager. I'm sure we're going to get to be talking about Pluots, one of my favorites, which is a plum apricot cross, which is also a uh, Floyd Zager uh, development. Talk a little bit about Floyd Zager. So Floyd Zager is or was a hybridist, and his family, the Zager family, continued the legacy of producing what we would call new fruit. The fruit that they're kind of known for are called interspecific. And early on, Floyd kind of learned from, you know, a disciple of Luther Burbank that you can cross different stone fruits together because they're all in the same family and get a quote-unquote new fruit type. There's nothing genetically modified with this. It's just accelerating what Mother Nature would do with bees. The Zager family has really been in the forefront of the stone fruit revolution of, uh, you know, Floyd is known for his white peaches and accelerating the world popularity of white peaches. And then also the, the, the Pluot, like you mentioned, and the Aprium. These are crosses that he has just taken from Luther Burbank and just really perfected to give the world a whole different palette of fruit. We should point out that when we talk about these fruits being crosses, these are not gen genetically engineered. These are people with little paintbrushes in a big room, basically dusting pollen from one variety and putting it on another variety's flower. Literally, that is what they do. You know, I'll go out there in really late winter, early spring, and they have what's known as mother trees, specific trees that have specific traits when the, the flowers just are at what we call popcorn stage. They go out there, they actually cut the little buds off, open it up, and collect the pollen in little vials. And then what they'll do is they'll take that uh, the pollen from that one tree, they have little mascara brushes, and they will hand pollinate another tree and get fruit from that. The seed from that will be a new fruit type that then it takes them maybe 20 years from that pit to find a new variety. 
But that's how it's done. It's it's all hand pollinated uh, hybridization that uh, the Zagers continue to to right now. You know, they're always trying to develop new fruit types. And for people that don't have much space and they don't want a a large fruit tree, well, first of all, probably at some point this morning we'll talk about backyard orchard culture and how you don't have to have a twenty foot tall fruit tree. You can maintain it at six or seven feet. But there are some miniature peach trees that get maybe, what, four or five feet tall naturally and maintain that height. And one of those is really one of my favorites, the Garden Gold Miniature Peach, which is a a yellow freestone peach that is very vigorous with uh, plenty of fruit for the family, even though it's only five feet tall. It is. These these miniature nectarines and peaches have just really exploded. And part of it is they just naturally grow small, right? Our, our, our mother trees that we get our grafting wood from, they're five feet, 20 years old, five, six feet tall. So they're easy to manage. And almost all of these miniature nectarines and peaches, they have spectacular blossom. So when they bloom, it's just an incredible, it's like an edible ornamental. And then in fact, this year, our new introductions, I mean, every year we try to come up with some new introduction, have been three new miniature trees. They're going to kind of be in not not a lot of availability because we're still trying to build our numbers up on it. But we have a new yellow nectarine called Soldorado, a white nectarine called uh, Arctic Sprite. And something really that you don't see out there is a white uh, miniature peach mm. and i've had the fruit in all of these and they're i'll put them up against anything that you'd find in a farmer's market not grocery store we're talking a farmer's market it's these are all three varieties that the the zager family have developed and they really focus on for the home gardener putting the best flavors into a unique small growing tree and how tall do these trees get they average from four or five feet to the tallest, maybe seven feet. And that's full grown, no pruning. Exactly, yeah. But while we've got a couple of minutes here, let's talk about backyard orchard culture and how you can take a standard fruit tree, and as long as you train it from the time you plant it, you can keep it at no taller than you can reach, six feet, seven feet, and still have plenty of fruit for the family. Correct. I mean, we're a huge advocate of size control for fruit trees. It's most homeowners will plant a fruit tree and just let it grow. Three or four years later, all the fruit's 12, 15 feet up, and they they can't harvest the fruit. And it really doesn't make sense to not be able to harvest the fruit because of not understanding a few simple things to do to keep that tree lower and compact. We say that if you're on a three-foot ladder and you have to reach the, the, to reach the fruit, uh, that tree's three feet too tall. You really want to you know, have your feet on the ground and be able to harvest the fruit off the tree. Exactly. And it all begins at planting time. I'm always amazed at the amount of shock and awe whenever you're demonstrating uh, to a nursery audience about planting a bare root fruit tree and you take that six-foot tall bare stick and you basically cut it back to half to maybe two and a half three feet tall right by doing that that's where you want the branching to start you know it's you you can go into you know any type of retailer and they might have a 15 gallon fruit tree there and it's it looks nice it has a you know nice tall trunk and 
the, the head starts up at, you know, five feet and you got a big tree there. What people don't understand is that you're not going to be able to harvest fruit off that tree. It looks nice. It almost looks like a shade tree. That's not what you want in a fruit tree. If you ever go and, you know, to the Central Valley and you look at fruit trees, all the branches start at around you know, two and a half, three feet tall, the main scaffolding, because that's where you want the fruit. You want to be able to pick the fruit from the ground. So that's why even though we send our trees and they're six feet tall, we always recommend you got to cut it in half. You, you just, you got to start from the basic of keeping the, the tree branch low so that you'll have fruit no taller than six, seven feet going, you know, 10 years from now. That's the way I have them in my own backyard. My trees are 10 years old and the tallest tree I have is maybe seven feet. I get so much fruit off it. It's, it's unbelievable. If you want more information about what we're talking about as far as backyard orchard culture and keeping fruit trees small, there's a wonderful video series, the Fruit Tube series that you can find at DaveWilson.com. And you can get step-by-step instructions on how to maintain those fruit trees at a height that keeps you off ladders. And that's our goal here. Phil Purcell, we're talking with from Dave Wilson Nursery. Dave Wilson Nursery is a wholesale grower of fruit and nut trees, supplying your favorite local independent nursery wherever you may be in the United States. Again, check out their website, DaveWilson.com. Phil Purcell, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Thanks for having me on. We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And SmartPots clicks all those boxes. They're durable. They're reusable. SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit SmartPots.com Fred. It's SmartPots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to SmartPots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next SmartPot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Every year, there's new All-America Selections winners for your garden. We're talking with Diane Blazek. She's the executive director of All-America Selections of the National Garden Bureau. And Diane, you've already started rolling out the winners for the 2021 garden. And explain how these are chosen. How are these winners chosen? Sure. That's that's a fun story. Um, We work with breeders from all over the world, and they send us new, never-before-sold varieties um, that they've been working on, either selecting or breeding, and they enter it into our trials, and then we send either the seeds or the plants out to our judges, who are volunteers, and they're horticulture professionals. And we have about 90 different judges all over U.S. and Canada. So they trial these new varieties anonymously, and then they send in the score sheet. And if these new varieties perform better than the comparison varieties, which I can explain in a bit, then they become an AAF winner, and then we announce them, and we market them as AAF winners, and they be 
Com available for the home gardener. And not only do you have winners nationally, but you have regional winners as well, various plants that do particularly well in certain climates. Exactly. So of those 90 judges that we have, Um, we make sure that a certain number of judges for each trial and in each region, so we have six regions, so it has to perform well regionally for it to get the regional award. Once it goes up to like four or five regions, then it becomes a national winner. So, you know, we first look and see where it is regionally and then, okay, well, look, this is doing well everywhere, so it becomes a national winner. That's the difference between the two. One of those national winners is a plant that I've never seen before on a list of AAS winners. And AAS winners go back to what, the 1930s? Our organization was founded in 1932, and our first winners were 1933. So we've been doing this for a little while. Yeah. But one plant I've never seen on the list over the years is, is it a shallot? Is it a, is it a scallion? What is the Echalian creme brulee? Yeah, um, that's a really good question, but it's it's just a different category. I would really describe it most like a shallot, and we do, but really it's its own special thing. Anybody who looks at it is just going to call it a shallot, and it can be used as a shallot, but I think the taste is better. Um, not Not as much heat or bitterness as what you might get in a shallot, and it's beautiful. It almost looks like a long, skinny red onion or pink onion because it's really more pink than red but um, anywhere where you use shallots you can use this shallion and the name of it is creme brulee i love it creme brulee yes and uh, for people who aren't familiar with either shallots or scallions it's a great addition to most recipes where maybe the onion is a little bit too strong and the shallot uh, is a great replacement because it has sort of a, a slight citrusy flavor Right, right. And some natural sugars. So it'd be great caramelized also. So the Italian creme doulet, uh look for that. That will be appearing as seed or as plants at, at nurseries in 2021. At nurseries, it might be available as both. You might be able to find on the seed packet as well as plants. Online, it will be available as seeds. Probably not as transplants. I don't think those would ship very well. Another vegetable that made its way onto the 2021 All-America Selection winners list is a uh, pepper, a a jalapeno pepper. But this is a a pepper plant that looks great for containers. It is. It's called potapino, and it is perfect grown in containers or hanging baskets because compactness, you know, people are growing in containers. So this is really good. It's It just forms these great jalapeno peppers that kind of spill over the edges, so it's really easy to harvest and just perfect, perfect for um, those containers. One thing that people have complained about when it comes to uh, hot peppers uh, over the years is it takes them so long to mature. But this uh, potapeno pepper is an early maturing variety, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that was one of the things that they said when they entered it. So to get green fruit, probably 45 to 50 days. If you want to go ahead and let it go a little bit longer, you'll get red fruit maybe about 20 to 25 days later. Now, there's I see a little pumpkin on there, or is it an acorn squash? It's called Goldilocks. Yeah, that's an acorn squash, and it's a golden, beautiful golden orange squash. So a lot of typical acorn squashes are the dark green. But this is a golden orange and same color inside. The judges raved about the taste of it. 
So, you know, that's always important. We always put that at the number one as far as what our judges should be looking for is taste. And then it's everything else after that productivity, yield, uniqueness, things like that. Well, it does look like a small pumpkin. It does. So you could use it for decorative purposes, too, before you because, you know, I mean, a a winter squash like this is going to hold really well. So you could use it for fall decorations and then cut it up and eat it later in the fall. Save it for Thanksgiving. I see that one of your 2021 winners uh, is uh, one of my favorite plants for the summer, and that's zinnias. And you have a new zinnia variety that's a new AAS winner. Oh, my goodness. This one is phenomenal. It's the first gold medal winner we've had in oh gosh, over 15 years, I think. And gold medal is top, top, top notch. That means basically every single judge loved it, thought it should be a gold medal, thought it should be an AAS winner. And so this is part of the perfusion series of Zinnias, which first became gold medal winners in 1999. And of course, the breeding company continues to work on it and improve things. You know, it always has a little bit better disease resistance, but this one, it's the coloration. And I just think... It is going to pack such a punch for the home gardener. You're not going to get bored of the color because it starts out with, the, it's a bicolor. So it's got yellow on the outer petals and the, the red eye and the red on the inner petals. But as these flowers age, they just start morphing into very soft, dusty tones, like a salmon and a dusty rose. And you can just kind of see them turn these different shades as time goes on. And then the plant does keep growing up and around them. And so we call it sparing the dead, you know, so as flowers age beyond that beautiful stage, the plant will continue to grow and put out more blooms on top of that. And again, this is the Zinnia Profusion Red-Yellow Bicolor. What, what size does it get to? It's fairly short. So this is not a cutting Zinnia. It'll get to like 12 to 15 inches tall. So it's more for like a front of the border plant, but of course would be great in combinations and containers also. And again, that's the Zinnia Profusion Red-Yellow Bicolor. And you've got a, a Celosia on the 2021 winners list as well. Yeah, that one's, that one's a unique Celosia. It's the real tall spiky one. It's Celosia spicata, so spicata spike kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the name, too, Candela, because it does look like candles or candle flames. And it's a real vibrant pink. And from what the judges said, it just started blooming and just kept going and going and going. One judge called it the Energizer Bunny. So I just really had to laugh at that. Um, That tells you a little bit about its vigor and length of bloom time. I would imagine, too, it's very attractive to hummingbirds and butterflies. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it will work as a dried flower. Hmm. Okay. The Celosia Kilos Candela Pink, is that right? That's exactly right. All right. Celosia Kilos Candela Pink. Uh, watch for that at nurseries uh, uh, this coming spring and summer. And most of these, are, are, are they also available as seeds? That particular one is not. It is a vegetative variety. And just a little bit of history on that. When AAS started in 1932, it was all seed varieties. We did not start trialing anything that was vegetatively propagated until about six or seven years ago. Vegetatively propagated items were new to the industry maybe about 25 years ago. 
So it took us a little while. Um, those trials are a lot more difficult to manage, but we took it on and we're doing it. So when anybody looks at our website, they will see some varieties that say available in plant form only. So that means go to your local garden center. Uh, you won't be able to buy seed for those. A very popular plant here in California and across the country are Shasta daisies. One of the Shasta daisy varieties uh, that uh, you're introducing as a 2021 winner is the Sweet Daisy Birdie. And we should point out that a uh, Shasta Daisy is also known as Leucanthemum. And that's what that's how you'll find it at area nurseries. Right, right. It is Leucanthemum. And um, so this is another new thing that AAS is doing is trialing for three winters. Um, and that's our perennial trial. So this one we did trial for a long time. And this one came through loud and clear as a really strong performer, um, really large bloom. So it's a typical white with a yellow center leucanthemum. And it's hardy down to USDA zone three. Absolutely. That's pretty darn cold in my book. Describe the flowers for us. It's really cool because it's almost like they've got an extra little petal around the center eye. So you've got the yellow center eye. And then you've got these really little mini flowers around that center eye that are white. And then you've got the standard longer white flowers that I think they get up to like five inches wide. But those then are the the wider white petals. So it just kind of looks like it's got the center saying, look at me, look at me. I'm all really, I'm all pretty. Yeah. And I imagine you could use it as cut flowers as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, being a, a daisy-like flower, a, a member of the Asteraceae or composite family, it's going to be attractive to all sorts of uh, beneficial insects and, and pollinators. Yeah, I can just see the butterflies landing on that one. That would be awesome. Leucanthemum Sweet Daisy Birdie, another 2021 winner from All America Selections. Look for them at nurseries and uh, seed racks near you for uh, some of these, for many of these. And uh, most of these will be uh, available uh, nationwide, won't they? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Just, I mean, I know everybody wants new, 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 new. And like some of these we literally just announced about three weeks ago. Sometimes it takes a while to get through the chain, but we do have availability on our website. Like each winter, you can click on a where to buy. So if it's seed, we'll, we'll take you to like a seed retailer. But a lot of the garden centers are eager to get the AF winners because they know that people are asking for them. So the best thing to do is if you're going into your local garden center, just ask for them by name or ask about the AF winners, and you should be able to find them. It might take a little bit more searching than your standard, you know, red petunia, but you will be able to find them. And you can always do an internet search for AAS winners, and it'll take you to the All-America Selections page, or you can go directly uh, to their website, Diane, which is? All-americaselections.org, or we've got a .com also, which is just aaswinners.com. So either one will take you to our website and every single winner will have its own page with tons of information. aaswinners.com. There you go. Diane Blazek, Executive Director of All America Selections of the National Garden Bureau. Thanks for telling us about what's new for 2021. It's always a fun topic anytime. It seems to be a more common malady among trees, especially young trees, and that's sunburn. We recently spoke with consulting arborist Michael Santos. He offered these tips to determine if your trees are suffering from sunburn. 
Does sunburn manifest itself usually as vertical cracks along the trunk? Not so much on the trunk, where we tend to see the sunburn issues mostly are on the upper side of the, of the branch, uh, you know, facing the sun, especially on the south or a southwestern to western exposure, where, um, where the tree previously had a full dense crown, and now it's been over thinned or lion's tailed. And then all of a sudden, the, um, the whole environment for that tree has changed in terms of the sun relationship. And that's where we see the, uh, the sunburn, I would say, the most. Um, that said, you certainly can get sunburn on the lower trunk, especially on uh, younger trees before the bark has thickened and become you know, roughened and, and just a thicker layer of bark. And also you can see it on certain smooth bark uh, palm, palm specimens um, if the crown is excessively pruned or maybe there's a reflection from uh, mirrored glass. Mm, okay. And again, it, it, would it uh, show up as vertical cracks? It can eventually show up um, as a vertical crack. The first, um, the, one of the first symptoms you'll begin to see is basically a checking um, of the of the bark, where it will start to check in an irregular uh, way, and the cracks will become uh, horizontal and vertical cracks will begin to become uh, much more noticeable, and then the tissue will begin to to shrink, almost like a canker, where it will be a little sunken, and then at that point. You may begin to see vertical cracks, you know, in the lower trunk as the as the wood behind the cambium begins to dry out and become exposed. For more information about sunburn and trees, check the link in today's show notes. The Garden Basics podcast is going to a winter schedule, maybe just like your favorite local nursery. November through January, Garden Basics will come out once a week on Fridays. Then, as the weather warms back up in February, we'll return to our twice-a-week schedule. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate that you've included us in your garden life.